Today's Bible reading is Hebrews chapter 6. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and then have fallen away to be restored to repentance, because they themselves are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to open shame. For the land that drinks in the rain often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is tended, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless, and its curse is imminent. In the end, it will be burned. Even though we speak like this, beloved, we are convinced of better things in your case, things that accompany salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown for his name as you have ministered to the saints and continue to do so. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end, in order to make your hope sure. Then you will not be sluggish, but will imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. When God made his promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and multiply your descendants. And so Abraham, after waiting patiently, obtained the promise. Men swear by someone greater than themselves, and their oath serves as confirmation to end all argument. So when God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of the promise, he guaranteed it with an oath. Thus by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be strongly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, where Jesus, our forerunner, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And this is God's word. The Bible clearly teaches that true salvation can never be lost. You can see John 10, verses 27 through 30, for one example of that. But Hebrews 6 presents a significant challenge because it seems to describe a genuine Christian who somehow becomes unsaved. Verses 4 and 5 describe the person in question, not merely as one who believes in Christ. That would be easier to handle because we know that there are different kinds of beliefs, like James 2.19, which talks about how the demons believe, but of course they're not saved. But our passage, Hebrews 6 verses 4 and 5, seems to go overboard to describe someone who has received the gift of new life from God. This person has, quote, been enlightened, has, quote, tasted the heavenly gift, has, quote, shared in the Holy Spirit, has, quote, tasted the goodness of the word of God, and even tasted, quote, the powers of the coming age in verses 4 through 5. And the word tasted, commentators point out, doesn't merely mean sampled, like a child might taste and then refuse his vegetables. 
because the author of Hebrews used the same word in Hebrews 2.9 to tell us that Christ would, quote, taste death for everyone. So the description here is not of someone who merely possesses salvation. This person has deeply experienced Christ in multiple and meaningful ways. Yet the author of Hebrews said, It is impossible if someone experiences all this and falls away for that person to be brought back to, to repentance. Falling away must mean a departure from the Christian faith in some way, because the end of verse 6 says they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. In other words, they have joined the ranks of those who rejected and crucified Christ originally. So what do we make of this passage? Well, clearly the person described in this passage has been associated with the Christian community that we call the church for some time. He has seen God do things and heard God's truth in the church. But the passage does not say that he put his faith in Christ. It does imply that he expressed some sort of repentance, for verse 6 says that his repentance cannot be brought back. Now, there have been many attempts to explain this passage, and this devotional is not the best place to weed through them all. What I would say about this passage, then, are the following things. First, falling away does not seem to mean a cooling toward Christ or a period of wandering or questioning one's faith. It seems to be more deliberate and intentional than that, because verse 6 says a person like this is, quote, crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. That's a public, explicit denial of Jesus, a Judas-style departure, where the person in question joins the ranks of those who consciously chose to put Jesus to death. So someone who has moments of weak faith does not seem to be in the same category. Though Peter denied Christ three times, he did not join those who were crying, Crucify him! So this seems to be a meaningful difference. Second, what else does the passage say about this person? Verses 7 and 8 use the metaphor of farmland to describe why this person can't be restored. The reason is that he or she received all of this goodness from God, but never produced a crop. Instead, all the person produced was thorns and thistles. This indicates that although this person had all the blessings of the Christian faith showered on him, as verses 4 and 5 describe, those blessings landed on a hard heart that never produced the evidence of true faith that the Bible says always accompanies salvation. Third, speaking of what accompanies salvation, the author of Hebrews in verse 9 contrasts his readers with this person who falls away. And what is the difference between them in verse 9? The readers show lives that evidence the things that have to do with salvation. They are productive for Christ. Verse 10 specifies how. It says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him and how you have helped his people and continue to help them. So this passage is a warning that tells us not to judge anyone's Christianity based on their association with the church for a long time or even their profession of repentance. Those things are associated with salvation, but they are not proof of salvation because there can always be a false profession and there can always be self-deceived people. Instead, the Bible always commends a productive, enduring faith 
Verse 11 demonstrates the importance of that. When it says, we want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. So while we do believe in what is called eternal security, a better way to describe this aspect of our doctrine is called the perseverance of the saints. Our eternal security, like every aspect of our salvation, is totally dependent on the grace of God. But the genuine gift of God in salvation is productive. It shows itself in a person's life by how that person responds to the truth. When someone receives all of God's gracious gifts and becomes more like Christ, showing their love for Christ and working for him and helping his people, again, verse 10 describes all of this, that person is demonstrating the things that accompany salvation. When someone receives the gracious gifts of God, but continues to produce more thorns and thistles, meaning sinful practices, as verse 8 describes them, and ultimately then rejects Christ and campaigns for his disgrace, like verse 6 describes, that person is hopelessly lost. So cultivate your faith. Respond to God's word and let it produce a holy life, one that is growing in the fruit of the Spirit and the love of God's people. The one who believes in Jesus and grows in him to the end will be saved. Not because you did something to earn salvation, but because you have genuinely been born into new life that has changed your life more and more to the glory of God. I'll see you next time.